All right, we are here at the pre-show. Hello. The world famous epic pre-show. Is it really world famous? No, it's not. But a little hyperbole's never hurt anyone, right? I suppose. So what's up? Um, I mean, I'm going to uh, the jolly old England, and uh, and when are you headed out? I'm heading out on Friday. Okay. So and today's Sunday, so he's got a couple days of work. Are you mm-hmm. working on Thursday? Yes. Okay. And then jump on a plane Friday morning, I presume. No, Friday evening actually. Oh. So okay. I'm going to be working on Friday, but we're doing this thing where it's it's only a half day of work, and then. Uh, it just planned as sort of an event, like fun event thing. So there's a Just Ducky tour, and then everyone's going to drink. And from the looks of it, I should be able to just do to the Just Ducky tour, and then leave and go to the airport and drink there. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Cause, yeah, I don't leave till seven something. So oh, okay. Then I guess it's what time do you land in England? About um, about noon on Saturday. Okay. And do you have any connections, or you? Yeah, I go into Detroit first, and then. Okay. So I leave. I get to Detroit around eight thirty, and I leave at that ten. And then you know. Gotcha. And fourteen hours across the pond. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's seven hours, but you oh, know, time. Seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah, I guess the time zone too. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Detroit's, is Detroit still Eastern time zone, or is it yes, Central? Yes, still Eastern. Okay. Still right. Eastern. I mean, it's like, it, stra- it straddles that area mm-hmm. where yeah. you might be, but now it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's still Eastern. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. Uh, the Great American Beer Fest was the last couple yeah, of days. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet of yours. I, I, I tried to look into what the hell you were talking about. I had no idea. That the beer stout lager? Yeah. It was mentioned, like, no shit, like, eight different times by eight different people. Why? I guess they're making fantastic beers, fantastic lagers. It's just, it's not like they're at world-renowned, you know, Crooked Stave saying, oh, oh my God, I'm at Crooked Stave and Vinny Chalurza's here. It's like Mm -hmm. having a Pilsner at at Beerstadt uh, Lager House. I was, again, being hyperbolic when I said they were losing their shit. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when you, after I saw, like, the sixth or seventh person take practically the same photo of their awesome Pilsner. It's like, these guys got to be doing something. <laughs> That's cool. I, I saw something, because I went to their website, and I was like, oh, they're not going to be at the JBF, I guess, but they're in that area, so. Yeah, I mean, they're in Denver, and everyone was, you know, independently raving. So it just, it kind of cream rose to the top type observation, right? And, you know, I just wanted to mention... That there's got to must be something behind all the uh, the buzz. Cool. Um, Pen Gold won gold for Munich Hellas. So Pen Gold is gold again. A, a couple Pennsylvania. I think that was the only Pennsylvania gold this time around. A couple of the Pittsburgh breweries like uh, Rivertown got a bronze for their porter. Rivertown, or I'm sorry, Roundabout got a silver for their old ale. Which I think they did last year, if I remember. Hmm. And uh, yeah, not too jet, not too like looking at my Twitter, jealous I was there. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting too old. <laughs> what you looking at? 
This is Backpack Fashion Show again. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well, I can grab a different beer. I didn't realize there was two of the same. I'm trying to see if there's any difference between this and... and no, that's the same thing. Okay. Well, golly. Just compiling the, the notes as yeah, I... Yeah, we'll grab know. a different one yeah. for the main show. Uh... So, so, a question for you. Yes. The season finale of Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Was it disappointing, or did I just miss all the genius? Uh, it was okay, but, I mean, it was like... I don't know. It just didn't seem genius like some of the other stuff has I been. thought it was just more fun than, than okay. genius. I just, I just appreciated it. You know, they're just, okay, this is the end of the season. We'll just have a ridiculous episode. Not everything has to be, you know... Brilliant. Okay. Outside the box. What I do know is that they they there was some discussion that they were planning to make like fourteen episodes, and when they realized that that they were not going to hit that, they quickly turned this one into a finale. So okay. So if if it feels like some things were wrapped up rather quickly, that seems to be why. Okay. They're too far behind in production. Yeah. It's taking too long to write the show. You really. want fourteen episodes? How about we give you seven for half the price? So they, uh, they, the thing that 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 tied it in a bow, or at least the story for the season was, you know, Jerry, mm-hmm. and ultimately, what was it that could defeat Rick? It turns out to be Jerry can defeat Rick. <laughs> okay, but. Because of of these things outside of Rick's control, as much as Rick is able to you know do anything he wants, if he wants yeah. to be a part of this this, yeah. this family, I, I you know. guess that explains thinking that they had to wrap it up early because like the whole clone Beth storyline could have been great, you know, and it, it just seemed real short. Well, I mean, I didn't expect them to do the clone Beth storyline because there are plenty of dangling threads that they leave. You know, yeah. they, they could pull on yeah. any one of those. They they well, right? They could have left it go with just that episode. Mm-hmm. But when she started having her crisis, it, it made it made this and the last one sort of a two parter mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, I just watched the last one. I didn't. I, I wasn't like so happy with the Beth one. I just watched it yesterday, and I really liked it. Okay, <laughs> watching it just from 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 a different ang- from a different angle from like in, instead of the angle of oh yeah, I'm, like you were saying, you know, I got to be impressed by every everything out of here. Right. Just sort of letting it. Letting it establish and just watching the the stuff, and I really liked what was going on there. I really liked the storytelling in the episode, okay. particularly. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, trying to think back, but yeah, damn Jerry. <laughs> uh, I saw the the third, the next episode of Star Trek Discovery, okay, which. I think yeah, I think this show is is going in, in in a different direction than other Star Trek shows, but I'm still understand. But I I like where I think it's going, okay. which is kind of in, in this idea of. Do you know the story of Star Trek Voyager, like the concept? Not not like the anything, but just the concept of of the, here's this ship that's part of the Federation, but it gets lost on the other side of, of the galaxy and it needs to come mm-hmm. back, right? That's, that's the concept. Okay. And one of the things that was really annoying about that was 
I didn't like Voyager as a series because they just kept everything was the same. Everybody was all happy. There was no conflict, and then you know they they seemed to have infinite supplies of everything. None of that. None of the fact that they were away from the Federation really came into the picture, other than there was an overriding goal of getting home. But right. that's it. Which yeah, that would impact their daily lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, this seems to be there's a there's a war going on. There's now they're on this Federation craft, and the Federation we know is supposed to be good, but they're doing some seems like some shady back shit, back channel, you know, gray air, gray level shit. And mm-hmm. there is the question of where you know it 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 seems to me the show is presenting it. As with ominous overtones, so it's not meant to be. The show agrees with what's going on in this case, but you are given. Okay. But it, it's a perspective of, okay, what happens in the Star Trek universe when shit goes pear shaped and uh, all your ideals are thrown against the wall? Right. I think there's an interesting story to tell there. Sure. I mean, even if the ship goes rogue or something, and mm-hmm. Federation has to deal with it, but you're invested with the rogue actors, so they could kind of make the people trying to bring them the justice seem evil. You know, you could, you or, could do stuff like that. You could, or it could be, you know, you're you want you just, there are some people who clearly don't want this. There, there's definitely they're setting up that on this ship, not everyone is behind what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show started with a mutiny. I expect it to end with one as well. Right. Bookend and that sort. And, I, you know, I don't know how it relates to other Star Trek shows, because I know the canon is, is so ridiculous and huge, and how do you, how do you uh, manage that? But, um, you know, they'll, they'll find a way. So far, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, because I mean, the production values are great. The acting so far has been uh, decent to very good, and... So this is the third episode? This is the third episode. Is it have a different feel than the first two since the first two were an attention grabbing double? Yes, yes. It's not there's not nearly as many like Dutch angles. There's not um doesn't feel quite as claustrophobic as as the first two did. Uh it it's was not primarily action based, although there was an action scene. Uh there were yeah, there, there is more exploration of the of the characters that are going on. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but it almost seems like, and we talked about this a little bit last week, where the premiere and the follow-up, the first two episodes, were kind of like the movie that leads into right, the series. Right, the prologue, in a sense, yeah. of, of what was going on. But, you know, also, I mean, maybe, I'm, maybe I want to call it a movie just because of all the, the, the angles, the lens flares, the, you know, just the stuff you see in a trailer. Yeah, right? yeah. And, that that shit was calmed down considerably. Gotcha. That was pretty good today. This is the Hefeweizen from Casey Beer Company, one of the beers Dave sent us a while mm-hmm. ago. I think we did, I'm pretty sure we did this one on the show. I didn't remember being... It was good. I remember us liking it. Uh, this I one's less banana-y than... than... Well, no, it's, it's kind of not banana This one has a little bit of that circus peanut type banana mm. flavor in mm-hmm. it. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit today in the pre-show here. Now, it seems like that uh, SMC thing we did last week has really helped, because now the computer's been on for a while, and okay. it's only at 99%, and the fan's not blowing. Yeah, it's not running. Sweet. So, yeah. Yeah. Apple. Friggin' Apple. I'm trying to think if I've watched anything else interesting. No, Penguin started up, so I've been watching hockey. Mm-hmm. 
Um, obviously, there's been news happening, and I don't really want to get into the horrible shit that's been happening, but it um, sucks. Yeah. Uh, and that's enough, I suppose. It's not ta- not the time to politicize these right, things. Right. That, that, that's the line we keep hearing from the people who politicize things right away. Is it's not the time to politicize things. Right. Uh okay. Let's let's move on to something else. Okay. So are there any <laughs> Do I have any questions for you about the ways of the universe? Yes. Do you have anything? Yes. Do I have any questions for you about the ways of the universe? Oh, the Nobel Prizes. Mm. Have been announced. We could chat, yes. chit chat about those. I'll think about the the question, but let's chit chat about the Nobel prizes. Okay, so I know the one for physics was for LIGO. Yeah, which is gravitational wave detection of gravitational waves, uh, and it's, deserved. It, it's deserved. It's interesting. To me, it seems like it kind of got fast tracked or something. Like, it, like sure, there's things that are still topical and like just a year old to get Nobel prizes, but generally it's. You know, there's like a waiting period. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised to see LIGO so quickly because, I mean, they only published their first results, what, a year and a half ago or something Yeah, like that. I think that there's there's some there's some rush to, like, we need to get Kip Thorne an award. Kip Thorne, who you know, was working with the theoretical physics community for a long, long, long time, was, uh, you know, worked with Hawking on black holes and all types of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's you know, been doing, uh, you know, amazing theoretical work. For a long time, you can't get a Nobel Prize if you're dead. Yeah, so I guess that you know that could be part of it, right? Mm-hmm. If someone is ailing, or I'm not sure they'll last another year, or maybe it was just a down year in physics stuff. But uh, let's see, what else were they? And there's plenty. There's always oh, plenty the chemistry of... one was fascinating. Chemistry one was about these people that have um, designed a way to image organic molecules, like. Oh really? Like oh. in while in water, so you can actually like get images of the atoms of a molecule, and actually while it's doing something, because since it's like not in like a a, foss, a, a substrate that'll kill it, that it's in water, that it can actually be doing its processes. That's awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I do now remember something about that. That instead of because if you do an electron microscope, it has to be dead, and you have to coat it with gold. In order for it to reflect those electrons. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, but this one and the one thing I heard, I really haven't read into the, the Mon- mono. I mean, it's atomic gold. It's really it's not. It's you know, it's you can do it at such a. It doesn't take a lot of gold. That's what I'm saying. Right. Uh, but they said you can get you know resolution down to the atom, which uh, sounds pretty cool. And um, <laughs> the cryo electron microscopy for high resolution structure determination of biomolecules in solution. Yep. And the guy was uh, at a conference for this technology that he invented. And he gets a phone call from Sweden. And he, but he's in the middle of the conference. He's like, he's listening to a keynote or something. He needs his phone. <laughs> and then he calls back and he goes out to take the call. It's, you know, those are, there's probably a book. If not, there should be a book about the, the phone calls that people get, right? Because there's, I mean, there's, they generally will get someone on the phone that you know. So, like, if you ever win the Nobel Prize, you know, they might have me be on the phone just to tell you that it's not a crank call. You know, that kind of thing. Um, 
Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine went to these guys for discoveries of molecular mechanisms controlling the circadian rhythm. I've read something about that. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, that one I saw the headlines, but I don't know anything yeah, about what, they're, what they've done. I know that uh, literature was given out. Nothing, yeah, like, shocking like Bob Dylan. No, the guy who wrote The Remains of the Day. That's who won. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peace Prize was the national campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. And uh, the economic the, the economic pseudo-Nobel has not been... Give me it. Right. Yeah. yeah, so LIGO. For, we covered. We, we talked about the other ones. We didn't talk about LIGO was. Some people listening might not know. Oh, okay. But so, that's the gravitational wave detector. Yes, yes. It's pretty neat how it works. They have two laser beams at right angles to each other. It's an interferometer. Right. Which means it measures... Interference. Hmm? It measures interference. Okay. So what will you do is you have... Um, because the idea is a, a light is waves, and so if waves can interfere with each other, and if they are exactly the same wave, and they, they will constructively or destructively interfere. And what you want is to get these waves exactly aligned such that they destructively interfere. And then if something moves one of the, one of the light beams, mm-hmm. then it will stop interfering, and you'll be able to see some result on your detector. Right. So the way the LIGO system works is there's these two laser beams... Or maybe it's one laser beam with mirrors, but they go off at right angles from each other, and they go for a couple hundred meters, I think. Yeah, but they go back and forth a whole bunch of times. Oh, that's right. That's so, right. So yeah, it's it's like um, there's mirrors on both ends, so it might be ten times the distance of actual, the actual tunnel. Right. And then, but what they're looking for is they're looking for the length of one of the tunnels to change. And how does the length of one of the tunnels change? Well, if you get a gravitational wave, you're going to have an increase or a decrease in the gravity, the space-time, and it's going to elongate on one of the angles. So if you have the north tunnel get just a tiny bit longer for just a tiny instant of a moment, and you don't see it on the east-west, and there's no earthquake, and there's none of this other stuff, then you just detected a gravitational wave. Yeah, we're talking the the level of detection which they're able to detect is about a thousandth of an angstrom, and an angstrom is about the about the size of a proton. So the thousandths of of yeah, not like the size of a proton. Nothing to do with the width of a hair or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> this is this this is crazy crazy level of measurement. And you said one of the things that they have to do is is take out all other possible sources of interference and account for them when they can't. Mm-hmm. And, and so, ha- what, and so of course they have to have at least two sites so they can. Yes. Compare. You can see the same thing, yeah. same signal on both sites and they're far apart. Mm-hmm. They're practically other sides of the world. Uh, actually, no, there are other sides of the country, right? Yes. There's one in Georgia, I think, and one in California or something. Something I like. forget where they are, yeah. But there's a third one going on in Italy, I believe. Yes, that's the one. That's the other one I was thinking yeah. of. But, and then, uh, so what's really cool is, so they got a signal. They're actually, I, I, I never really researched this, but they say that they detected the merger of two black holes. Mm-hmm. So this crazy, massive, energetic event made this tiny little whoop on the on the on the LIGO. 
I'm curious. This is the thing I probably never looked into. Do they like are they hypothesizing it was a merger of two black holes? Or do they like know where in the universe these two black holes were? Or that they like was it observed otherwise? Well, with, with with only two pieces of information for in, in a in a circle, you can define sort of a scope of the sky where it is. Mm-hmm. Remember when? Remember when the the plane went down? Um, and oh. the what the call it? Malaysian Airlines one. Yeah, and they had like a a dot on a circle where they could say, okay, mm-hmm. because we got a signal, it has to be in this circle. And if they had like more signals and they could have triangulated right. more, but they didn't have that enough, enough information, mm-hmm. the same thing is happening here. So we have sort right. of a broad width of where I see this thing could be, but not. not but they didn't say something there. What's up there? Oh, there's the two black holes. You know, it wasn't like that. They. Or was it? I don't know. No, no. Yeah. Well, they they don't know. I mean, the the signal matches the what they expected to see, almost exactly what the what their models expected a merger of two black holes to look like, such that they can actually measure the the masses of those black holes. One was like somewhere around in in the fifty range, and one was in like the the thirty to forty range. I guess I don't have my speakers plugged in. Okay, we're going to listen to the whoop, the LIGO to signal. Okay, it, do, it doesn't actually make a noise. This, no, this is just turning just... the signal itself into a noise. Yes. So, we got a couple. Hear that little thump? Oh, there's a drip. It doesn't really tell you much. And that was over... Um, Two-tenths of a second. Well, and that I mean that's. Is I mean, that, what, is that real time? I think. Well, you, yeah. What you have to imagine is. Think back to your electrodynamics. When a charged particle, it's called an electron, is moving, that's fine. Nothing interesting is happening there. But when it starts to accelerate, let's say it it, it gets pushed around by something or, or starts to move faster or it gets slowed down, it radiates energy away. It, it, it affects the electromagnetic field. And so it will radiate that energy uh, omnidirectionally. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is happening with large gravitational things in space-time. So it is such a small effect that, yeah, Earth is doing it too. Earth is orbiting Mm -hmm. so we are losing we are radiating away gravitational energy but the amount we radiate is so ridiculously tiny because gravity is such a tiny tiny force that we would never be able to detect it so you need these big events just to be able to detect tiny tiny minute things and you can only do it like i think right now that it's like six thousand light years away or something oh really yes and then the signal's too attenuated yeah so because you would figure, like any other kind of waves, the amplitude will flatten out and the wave will spread out as it traverses space. Mm-hmm. Yep. The same thing. Yeah. It is. Ju- it, it, same principles. Mm-hmm. So it gets more and more diffuse and it gets harder and harder to detect. Um, there are rumors that there is a neutron star merger detector a lot and that is interesting because there the rumors say that it it happens happened along with a detection in the 
in the visual range. So there was okay. a detection of a light mm-hmm. source and the detection of the gravitational, the gravitational wave. wave. That's cool. So that it's a rumor right now. It's not hasn't been supported mm-hmm. yet by a paper or anything. But if that's the case, then ooh, there's something really cool. Right. And then you know the next question is. Okay, so we proved that there's gravitational waves. What does that mean? Like, it 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 just means Einstein was right again, yeah. mm-hmm. or or to to put it in a, in a better way, I think because that, that's what you'll hear. To put it in a better way, there is no better explanation of gravity that works as well as Einstein's okay uh, formulation. And this was a uh, predicted side effect of him, you know, if his stuff was accurate, as he predicted, Mm -hmm. then this should have been a side effect. And then as, you know, you... I mean, it should have been in principle detectable, but he thought it would never be because he didn't... He he didn't believe... He didn't... I mean, at his time, it certainly wasn't. The capability wasn't there. And it took, you know, 100 years to get the capability... To in principle detect these things, yeah, like you said, it was fraction of an angstrom. Yeah. So it's pretty wild that you can actually measure that. You know, there's other things like that. I think we talked recently about redefining the kilogram. Did we talk about that? Uh, I think so. Something about that. Yeah. So I mean, they're doing two. There's like two. The kilogram is the one of the last remaining standard measures that's based on an artifact right and the artifact is this um platinum iridium uh cylinder cylinder cylinder. Cylinder. and it's in locked in a basement in france but they've measured this thing and it's losing mass it sublimates yeah this platinum iridium cylinder is losing atoms and there's you think okay let's just count the atoms well we can't do that not Accurate, right? <laughs> so you can't count the atoms. So the couple ways they're going about doing it: one was trying to make a silicon silicon sphere, like perfect sphere, and it if it's perfect enough, then you can calculate the number of atoms in that thing. So you could recreate another sphere mm-hmm. to the same specifications. Um. All for but that one's not the leading one. The other one is uh, all for an arbitrary distinction, right? A kilogram. It is an arbitrary measurement, right? But you need yes, it being the kilogram is arbitrary, but you do need a standard measure of yes, mass. Yes, and we don't have any standard measure of mass. Well, we technically do. Planck masses would be a standard measure of mass. That's. Uh, like about an acorn. Really? Yeah. Not all plank, not not all the plank uh, con- okay. uh, uh, things are, right, the plank so, length is really tiny, but plank mass right, is... so is, the plank mass, okay, so, can, can, so what can, can the, you make two plank masses that are identical? I mean, like, can a scientist, like, is that, because the thing to... Measure a meter. Less than an acre. 0.02 milligrams. But that's, you know. But the thing to make, you know, to make the standard meter, it's now the speed, you know, how far light travels in a given time. 
right? So you can go anywhere in the universe mm-hmm. with the per, with apparatus and measure a meter, a very yes. a very accurate meter in your reference frame. Yes. Let's not worry about relativistic effects at this moment. Well, I mean, it it should be mentioned. Okay. But with a kilogram, or, I don't know, maybe the Planck mass is different, but if, if the Planck mass solved this problem, don't you think all these people trying to come up with a standard kilogram couldn't just say 300 Planck masses is the kilogram? Well, I, I, I think you certainly could. I, I, I think the question is, um, uh, what... I, I, I don't. I, I don't honestly know because you could just say the Planck mass. All what you're doing with the Planck mass is, is you're setting the value of the invariant natural units in the universe, such as the speed of light, uh, the Coulomb, um, you know, which measures electrical charge. All, all these things set them to one, and then what happens to to the to the various different uh, to the various different ways in which we get we we can find these things out so for length it turns out to be really really tiny uh for mass it turns out to be you know not too bad all right so actually nist nist i can remember what their machine how it worked but so what they were doing they just did this uh their deadline was july 1st was to uh come up with uh the most accurate measurement of planck's constant and they came up with um 6.62 6.62 blah 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 by times 10 to the negative 34th kilograms per meter squared per second. And that's an uncertainty of only uh, 13 parts per billion. And then the part of this was going to parlay into defining the kilogram. I, uh, there's a lot of words here I'm trying to find the thing. But basically, they would be able to have a. Uh, procedural way then with if you have the machine that can measure Planck's constant what's the name of this machine it's the uh no, I don't see it or here, let me look in the caption of the photo the kibble balance yeah so if you know you can build a kibble balance you can measure Planck's constant mm-hmm. then you can multiply that out to get the kilogram type thing it's it's complicated I mean it's for me, for someone like me, it's more complicated than imagining a vacuum cylinder where you're shooting an electron and measuring how far yeah, it goes. Yeah, it's very, very complicated. So, so the, 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 as I was saying, there are five universal constants in the Planck units. There's the speed of light, gravitational constant, reduced Planck constant, uh, the Coulomb constant, which gives charge, and the Boltzmann constant, which is, is terms of statistical uh, gas stuff. Uh, you set those equal to one, and you know how they relate to each other, and then you determine from there what the values of the Planck constants are. And uh, the, the speed of light in a vacuum becomes... And then you then you, you turn that into whatever thing you want to measure it by. And that's where it comes in. What it, Well, if you want to measure it by what a kilogram is, you have to know what a kilogram is to, to take the Planck thing and turn it into a kilogram. Right. So... Yeah, in some sense, in, in order to, to figure out what a kilogram is, you can define it just by Planck things, but then you have to t- say, okay, well, well how, many Planck, how many Planck masses am I defining to get to the kilogram? How many do I actually have yeah. in, in the machine? How much do I have in the palm of my hand? Right. And that's where you need something like this kibble balance, apparently. There was a, was it a Vertizium? Smarter Every Day? One of those guys, I, I saw them talking about the kibble balance. 
I'm sure if you search YouTube, you can find it. Yeah, it's probably Veritasium. Like, the Planck Impedance is 29 ohms. That's, you know, 30 ohm resistor. You probably use them all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just because it has Planck, doesn't mean it has to be, like, ridiculously small or ridiculously big. It's just it, how it's how the constants gotcha. uh, work with each other. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. 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 Uh, you want to get into beers? I do. All right. You got to get a new one for that one.